Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 152. Thank you for joining us. Today, Jordan returns to the Colby Cast for what we like to call our co host confab. When we get together, there's no telling which direction the conversation will turn. Today, we reflect on the life and contributions of Diane Muth, one of Colby's founders who passed away earlier this year. We also discuss the founding principles that guide Colby Academy and the wonderful fruit of homeschooling. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Stephen and I have Jordan back with us on the podcast today for a bit of a catch up. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be back. It's good to see you. I haven't visited with you in a while. I'm glad it's working out today. Me too. Stephen, how are you? Doing well. Yeah, it's uh, these these are some of my favorite podcasts where I just get to sit down with two of my favorite Colby people and uh, get to have a conversation. Now, I think I meet with each of you separately and we just get to sit down and chat each week, but nice to have everyone together. Thank you. And likewise, yes, these are some of our favorite conversations and we hear from folks that they're some of our listeners' favorite conversations. All right. So since our, our since this group got together last for a, a podcast conversation, we've had lots happening in the school year and in the in the Colby community, we have a bid farewell to our, our last living co-founder of Colby Academy, Mrs. Diane Muth. Uh, we have been praying for her uh, the repose of her soul since she passed from this life earlier this year. There were several things that happened around that time that the Colby community was able to participate in, um, rosary and liturgy and prayers and so forth. And we ask for continued prayers for her and her loved ones and everybody affiliated with Colby as we continue to celebrate her legacy and pray and thanksgiving for all she has given to us and left with us. So uh, what do you all think? Any any more thoughts around that? It's been so, so beautiful and moving to see how the community has come together um, in Mrs. Me's final days on earth and, and in her passing and how she, just hearing some of the reminiscences. Do you all have any favorites you want to share? There was one that involved Stephen and I together last year where we got the the chance. We were both out in Napa for some meetings and we got the chance to to interview her for the podcast. Um, and she was she was sharp as ever i mean it was a lot of fun she she um she had talked about skydiving which um you know she she had a plan to 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 do skydiving a little bit more but i think the first time that she did it she was 70 and the next time 80 something like that and she was going to do it on her 90th for her 90th birthday and her plan was to do it in hawaii so she was an an, uh, an amazingly um adventurous woman both, um, both, you know, in reality, but also spiritually. I mean, she was, she was so, so devout and inspiring to be around her. She, she is one of those, the few people that I've met where I come away thinking that that person is saintly. Um, I, I'll, and I'll say personally, one of my, you know, favorite things about her was I, my daughter, Jojo, who's now eight years old, but when she was a baby, she was very, very sick in Germany. And we had asked the Colby community to pray for her. And and it was, I mean, it was, it was scary. It was like life-threatening illness that she had. And 
uh, Mrs. Muth always um, always asked about her when I would whenever I would see her, if I'd happen to to need to call her something for something Colby related. Her first thing was, "How is Jojo? How is Jojo?" And so she was always praying for for Jojo. And I'm sure you know that that I'm sure she was doing that for many many people. And so uh, she was a real prayer warrior and. You know, we're going to miss her so much. We're so grateful for, for everything. And um, yeah, I'll truly miss talking with her just every time we're back there. I, I, I loved catching up with her. She's one of my favorite people. Yeah, there was, as you're talking about that, um, that little recording that we we're doing out in Napa, I, it was it just, it just stands out to me as my impressions of, of Mrs. Muth in my limited time that I, I got to spend with her. But but uh, the first day of recording, well, after the first day of recording, she came back and she said, um, oh, I forgot some things that I really wanted to get in there. And she it, it just came up that the day that we recorded was her fasting day. And and so she, you know, so it wasn't quite, you know, didn't have all those things in, in my mind. But after I thought about it, then just wanted to, and it's like, yeah, the fasting day. All right. Okay. <laughs> but it just, there was, a, there was just such a strength there too. And I see people like from that, I think what are her generation that just this love for the the church and the faith that they were willing to do things for, for, uh, for the church and the faith that were, were out of the box, but they're tenacious about it in a way, which which is impressive to me just the i mean i think of colby you know my my uh family's origins with like the starting of thomas aquinas college which was in the late late 60s early 70s but they're doing things that are going to be essential for the church and for our country going forward and they were thinking about it back then and now we're seeing you know kind of a blow up of, of what happens when you don't go down that road but but it's their work that's really gives us a chance, you know, for for going forward. Which is, thank you for for those people who are who are, who would do those things, right? Uh, that's a great point, Stephen. That they that generation think about how pioneering some of these things were then, you know, and and it, no, it, a lot of trails that had never been blazed before. They and she herself is the one um, who 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 should be credited with Maximilian Colby as our patron. I mean, she was, I, I've, I asked her several times like uh, to retell the story, but it, I mean, she, they chose, and she had proposed it at a meeting. They chose um, St. Max as our patron uh, before he was canonized. So speaking of, of forward thinking, and that was, that was her, that was her own, research and some kind of connection she felt to him and it set the tone for what we do here at Colby. I never got the opportunity to meet her in person, but I had a few phone conversations with her early on in our homeschooling days. We had we were discussing uh composition and language arts, which were some of her areas of expertise and specialty. And some some advice she gave me sticks with me to now today. Just the just the connection with her talking on the phone that that also worked wonders for me in, in moving forward with an area that I was really um, uncertain about and, and needing some <laughs> extra dose of confidence. So grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I would add like that, that, that idea of confidence, she, she did it across the board. 
big picture, little picture, anything. Um, uh, there was a an interview that we did with her. I'm sure you can find it online somewhere on our YouTube um, uh, channel or something. I'm sure it's there, but where she felt this real optimism for the future. And, and it was contagious from her. And it's new sort of for me because I, growing up in a, before I became Catholic, everything was that um, the world was close to ending. I mean, that was how we thought. We believed in the rapture, like the left behind series type theology is what I grew up with. And from her, it was totally opposite. And she would say, I'll never leave, live to see it. But she believed in it because of institutions like Colby, because of the good people that make them work, and be, and especially because out of obedience, having large families and then sending the kids to to schools where uh, Newman Guide Colleges or whatever where they're meeting, and it's just uh, it's creating new families for the future. And she really believed in that, and I I think I think we will see the fruits of that um, definitely in the next generation. The humility as well to me is stands out is remarkable. And I've seen this in Colby, just you know, not just Mrs. Muth, but but other people. It's really somewhat remarkable. I mean, you know, you did this great thing, you know, you, you kind of like to, but you know, there she was, you know, still coming in to, to open mail and and do things and just trying to help in whatever way she still could when when I saw her last year at least. But uh, yeah, just remarkable. Well, I'm grateful to have the recordings that we do of her and the interviews that, that you've done with her and the conversations you've had. We'll we'll put some links in our show notes for people to to see those and along with uh, links to the the funeral rites that were celebrated for her. But those were some of those were live streamed for people who were not able to be there in person. So we'll have some of that in our show notes for this episode. So um Mrs. Mute, thank you so much. God bless you, and we are praying for you and we ask for your prayers for us as we carry on here. So thank you so much for that. All right. So in other matters, last time we were talking, Jordan, you had some articles being published on the Prime Matters website. What have you been hearing in response to those? Um, the the feedback that I've gotten is really good. I mean, from some of them from unexpected places. Uh, I have two articles with them so far. My goal for 2023 was to publish four more in Prime Matters. Uh, but I'm kind of I'm kind of behind uh, if I was thinking well, one every quarter or something like that. But I, I mean, um, it's it's an awesome opportunity, I think, and it's the right forum for some of the ideas that, that I've been thinking of. Um, and uh, I, I really appreciate Prime Matters and what they're doing, uh, not just what, what, I, what I'm putting out there, but the other content that they have, I think is really, really good and, and relevant for for a lot of people who are trying to make sense of things in our world today. Uh, but I will get back on those. I'd, I'd like to continue the series. Um, so I have some new, new ideas that I've been kicking around and it's just a matter of getting the time. As a teacher though, it, it's like, this is the time of year where you're just chomping at the bit to get to finals week. And uh, as much as I love the students, I'm gonna miss many of them. I can't say every single one, but many of them. Um, I'm going to, uh, really enjoy the time to get focused on some of that stuff again. Yeah. Do you stick to a pretty similar routine of summertime writing that like, do you use like the time you had spent teaching class? Do you use that for your writing or research or things like that? Or does it, the whole thing kind of change with family life, depending on what's going on? 
Yeah, I, I in the summer I am able to really set aside, and that and that's what I found I need is I need um I need these these big like kind of chunks of time to really develop something consistently. So it, during the the year, it's it's difficult to get that. Um, it's just difficult because of you know family obligations and basketball practices and hockey practices, and to really block that that time, everything's dedicated really towards teaching and other kinds of meetings and things, administrative work. But in the summer, when I get freed up, I feel like I make a ton of progress. And so I started um, last summer, I started two books and I felt like, well, I'll be able to keep some semblance of this routine if I just wake up, you know, three hours earlier than normal <laughs> or something crazy like that. Oh, uh, but it just doesn't, it, I can't sustain it for a lot of different reasons. But in the summer, so like this summer, I'm excited to get right back on those projects. And the one is the one we've talked about a lot, the Rhinish, Franz Rhinish translation and I feel like I, I there's a chance I could I could knock it out over these weeks during the summer, and I think that'll be priority number one for me. Aside from Prime Matters articles, um, yeah, that would be my. I think that's I feel called to get this done as quickly as I can. Yeah. And we're in the process of discussing some of the the uh, pillars of Colby. You know, and we'll be doing that that at some of our meetings with some of the other. Um, leaders through throughout Colby as well but I know we've we've been talking about that Jordan and I'm sure we'll have more of those this summer and you're you're doing a you're doing a lecture right for during the summer that'll bring in some of those Ignatian principles is that yeah right? yeah we really kind of um pared pared down uh some of the yeah the pillars I, th I think Stephen and I have been involved in kind of identifying what are what are the pillars of Colby? And, and it's not even necessarily what are our ideas now, but um, we're both very sensitive to the founding of Colby, speaking of Mrs. Muth and all that. Um, and part of it uh, is, yeah, I, I had the opportunity to look at uh, what is Ignatian, uh, we call ourselves Ignatian method. And there's a, it's a broad definition of what Ignatian means, Ignatian education. And lucky for us, uh, one of the other founders, Francis Crotty, had put together a few documents um, in the in the 80s and early 90s on how to implement Ignatian education. And so I was able to sort of take one of or a few of his ideas and um, turn it into a lecture that uh, that I'll, I'll do. I'll do it at a conference this summer um, on techniques for um, you know, generating self-activity or promoting self-activity in the classroom. And that was really one of the things that that Francis Crotty was very interested in when they set up the private school, the day school in Napa was how do we get students involved in the learning process and talking. So it's uh, seven techniques. So keep an eye out for those. I'm sure they'll appear in various forms on the blog or somewhere on the website down the road. But it really it's giving us a chance uh, to to have a look at this stuff and really be able to articulate it and define define it hopefully for for many years to come yeah looking at those big picture things have been both exciting for me i just really love it you know talking about all of those things that can guide decisions for what you're trying to do but and you know we've talked with my father-in-law being one of the founders of thomas aquinas college you know i, I just see that 
we're when we you, I think you were mentioning this Jordan as well that we're in the world today is is different because there's been a slow buildup of a slow development in education and things it's kind of like the the idea that you can boil frogs in water if you just slowly heat it up and I, what we're seeing today I think in a, a lot is a result of all of these small things that have been building for years and years and what we're talking about back in those the 60s the 70s and such with some of those people were seeing that then and they started these things like Colby in the I think in the 80s for Colby but you know Thomas Quinn's college in the 69 70s um that were counteracting those things so it's it's now fun to kind of go back and look at some of those founding documents like like a Francis Crotty's document or you know I, I go to TAC's founding documents and reread that and see the wisdom that they were they were that they were they were setting a new course and there's a clarity there that I think is easier to follow because they're not in the they're not where we're at right now so there there are certain principles that people you could still grasp grasp a hold of and not have to you know search through the weeds here so much like we have today but it's been a lot of fun to look at some of those again yeah I and I think a lot of that comes down to um they they could easily more easily maybe justify their existence justify why start this new thing whereas we we almost have to jump through a bunch of hoops to say like here's why we still exist here's why we're still around or here's why start something new whereas for them they had they really did have a clarity it, it almost reminds me of my my own parents my 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 mother deciding to homeschool us and and without any kind of resources but like let's just let's this is right and let's do it it would be a, um in some ways more more challenging especially you don't have a, a model to follow and and you just gotta you know you gotta do it yourself that that is what's really impressive i think about that generation and and I love I, I've really enjoyed working with Stephen on this um, and and it feels like we've just begun in a way we're just scratching the surface of of um, you know some of our pillars so that there's the Ignatian component and then there's the one that that uh, Stephen Stephen is more engaged in probably um, would be like the classical component because we're Catholic classical customized or have been our taglines but this classical component itself is, is something that needs to be addressed, it seems, right, Stephen? Yeah, well, I think there's just so many different views about what is classical education. And and that's where that's where it's kind of fun, where you have to start making distinctions or whatever. But like you said, it's going back to see, well, what was Colby's view of of classical too? And what was what were their and why you know because today classical is the big like it seems like a lot of schools just want to throw you can just throw classical on there and people are going to be drawn to it because people see that there's there's a, the the fruits that they're seeing from some classical schools but then okay well what does that mean now what what are is is that equivalent with the liberal arts or is the, or liberal education which isn't really necessarily liberal arts it's that's there's uh, different things or what about um great books what about original source materials where does that fit in and it's kind of fun to put all of these together to try to get to the heart of what's at the heart of classical education 
and uh, liberal education and and in that just as a I love it when these things happen as you start looking at things you see there's really just one thing that you're considering because I mean you can't have true classical education without Catholic education because man is made to see and know and love God and that's the end of classical education is to lead you along that path both to, and as rational beings our highest power the the way that we are made in the image and likeness of God is our intellect and our ability to love that that other animals don't have so it's in the perfecting of those faculties that we become most like God and we are drawn to love him more so it's just fun to kind of get all of these things kind of put together <laughs> and um you know we're talking about ignatian too and fundamentally when you get that kind of self-driving sort of thing and clarity of purpose this is a, this is a tangent but you kind of see that love um of learning and of the truth start to come in because otherwise you can kind of, like i think back to public school days and I don't remember anything from most of my classes until the unless the teacher could make me the discoverer of something that they presented this this problem or or a, a question of wonder and then I started to explore it on my own you know so they led me but I was now participating directly or I was educating myself to a certain extent to a large extent and that's that gets lost so much where it's just like here's the lecture here's the test here's the things and so that doesn't lead to prolonged learning or or knowledge at all really um memorization of facts which is which is not what we're about here at colby so um i just it's fun it's a, it's just fun to have the conversations actually mm -hmm. and that that renewal that zooming out to the the big picture it's so helpful at this time of the school year, when we are kind of closing in on the end of it, and we have got sort of a list of, we need to finish these things to finish the school year. We can be really zoomed in to these particular things and they can almost kind of lose their connection to each other, whatever, but to then hear this renewed sense of here's where we're, why we're doing this in the first place. Here's our overall picture. This is our long view. And that's helps keep it all in perspective. I think that's so timely yeah. necessary. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm just, I'm so fortunate to have been, we've been homeschooling our kids all the way through. And so, so for our Colby families out there, I know it's often, this can be a drudgery sort of time where it's just like, let's just get to the end of the school year. We've talked about that a lot, but um, it's just, I just can't imagine what things would, well, I can, I can't imagine what they'd be like without homeschooling, without Colby, without things. But, you know, just as my children are older now, you know, I just... I just have such opportunities to sit down and have really deep, meaningful conversations with my children that involve the faith. And they're, I mean, so it's, it's intellectual, but then it's working in our relationship with, with our faith. And it's like, wait, this is, I mean, if you watched sitcoms in the eighties and things like I did, um, you you get the impression that, that really the relationship between parents and children is is one of fighting that that there's an opposition the parents are stupid 
and the kids have it figured out and they're just trying to sneak around and do the things that make sense for kids to do while the stupid pair, stupid fathers, at least the, the mothers could be clever or smart, but, but fathers are traditionally stupid in the sitcoms and, and they have a good heart in the end, but just to see that that's not, that's not what it's supposed to be like. And of course, you know, everybody knows that, right? We we have the Holy family and we've got St. Joseph there. We've got the blessed mother and you've got our Lord. That's, that's not division and, and, uh, tension. So sure, there can be tension at times because as a child, children are trying to figure things out and you're trying to figure things out as a parent, but it's supposed to be like that. But even though we know that all as Catholics, I mean, if you ask, if you were to put it in that firm way, people would say, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. But just like everything else, I think it's that that slow erosion. And now we, we, we think the way sitcoms are or that what we read in a more modern books where the kids again are all the smart ones that figure things out and the teachers or the parents are the dumb ones. And, you know, you get that. It's like, yeah, that seeps in and then you, you, you forget you forget. And I don't, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of fathers, I mean, if anyone's listening to this and, and you know, um, you know, your, your own husband, or maybe you're, you're one of the fathers who are, who are listening to this. I, I think a lot of it um, has to do with an opportunity because as Stephen's saying, um, his own children, he can testify are joining into the same conversation that, that he's been engaged in. It's not a different conversation. And, um, if, and, and part of what we say, like most, most broadly, though Stephen and I have been very interested in the particulars, but very broadly, if, if somebody just doesn't know at all, um, what we're talking about when we're saying classical or classics it can mean a lot of different things, but but in general, it's returning to the sources, um, uh, minimizing textbook work, and especially not politicizing things um, the way that they would be done, like in, in a public school or even private schools, typically. So if you are sending your child to school, they may be getting these messages, just like the television gives them. Um, all the Disney movies, the same thing. The dad is always bad. And so your daughters are watching it and, and picturing that this is what a father is like or whatever. So they they, they sow division between um, between the parents and their children. And I I haven't made it there yet. My, my kids, I'm just glad that they can uh, read and spell decently right now. But um, I haven't made it there yet. But I, that is something I'm looking forward to really is to have have um, deeper conversations and, and uh, my, my children uh, be able to kind of, you know, understand what, what their mom and dad have been about all these years. What have we been doing and why? Yeah, both my wife and I just feel so blessed to have gone through Thomas Aquinas College. Now, my wife was homeschooled and had a, a good academic background before that. But that education for me, coming from a public school, was the first time that I really was taught that you can you can know things that there is a truth that you can pursue and and then the method that they did where there was you know reading original text so that you can see what these great lecturers or great authors were presenting when it comes to various things but then evaluating what they said so say what did they say and is it true 
and then building on those going and being led through the arguments of you know whether it's philosophy or theology or some of the great works of literature whatever you're going to get through the years how does that develop how does it change where do the ideas come from but being able to evaluate those then that's been such a huge gift for us that it's it's hard I know it's it's got to be hard when you haven't had that that gift but um it's one of the things that's then influ influenced our parenting because Ma Maggie and I don't have to say you know as long as you're under this house this is this is the rule well we could say that or you know don't ask questions this is just this is the rule we can we can go back and explain you no know, this is why we have this rule because this is what we're aiming for and if you don't do this these are the ramifications of those so it it really it really gives the child then the vision and the power to choose the right thing so they become it becomes much less about let's try to put up all the walls and stuff so that they they can and they're not going to wander off but they're seeking you still put up some walls but you, they're seeking the good for themselves so they and they're going to be able to accomplish that much better than me trying to run around with them with a stick and make sure that they you know don't do that don't do that don't do that um as soon as i turn my back they're off doing that you know that doesn't happen as far as i know um but uh, they, because they're they know they know the problems they know the consequences of of what uh, what those actions might be so or decisions yeah appealing to their reason as they're able to you know as appropriate for their developmental level like as their capacity to reason increases yeah my sister hope the kobe alumna helps us here on the kobe cast team she has talked about how she enjoyed feeling like she had a seat at the adult table and at that conversation right so say that same kind of thing like you're saying you've said that also yourself yourselves today that it's the same conversation so the kids are in on it this way and they i think that imparts a sense of um, it's a sign of favor to the kids to, to be, to be on extended that invitation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once you, if you can, if you can build that, it seems to me that like, okay, so weird conversation that my son and I were having last night, we were delving into serial killers and, <laughs> okay. you know, so, you know, you can do the intellectual thing, but one of the things we started, you know, kind of started the conversation was, how could somebody possibly do this? You know, that is, I can't, you know, I can't imagine the sort of horror of just, maybe this isn't right for the podcast, but, <laughs> but I can't imagine the horror of like, you've killed somebody. Now you have to deal with that in your conscience, but somebody who does it repeatedly and you're thinking, you know, what's the the illness that's, that's there in the mind or what's the, the, the state that they're in. And like he was mentioning, um, I don't know why my son is, studying serial killers or, or reading about them but um he was talking about one a serial killer that had become a christian and then it was he was killed in in prison but to think about oh here's somebody who's done all of these horrible things but you know as far as we know he he repented he hated what he he had done and we were you know so we could get into the things like you know what a relief it might have been to have been caught and to be protected from doing horrible things or whatever but anyway so you can talk about the issues and bring in lots of arguments but also you can bring them back to your faith and talk in a nuanced way um i think where you're you're bringing in 
which sometimes we struggle with things like justice and mercy and, um, you know, how can, you know, all of those things, which, which aren't more nuanced, but the Christian faith is, it's, it's actually fairly straightforward, but it's simultaneously complex, you know, so, um, it's hard, hard to hold all of those things in your mind at once because we tend to want to focus on one aspect at a time. And, and I, and I think too, with, uh, with somebody, your son's age, who's, who's, you know, made it to this, uh, this, this age in life and educational background where he can think in these terms. I, I, I wonder, I wonder if a lot of our students, um, what what they're seeing i mean um maybe like hope also saw during her experience is that you you progress almost like um history has in that things are set up where there's you know the the greeks and then the romans and then you know christendom and the modern period so it's kind of set up the way uh so so you've experienced humanity in all these eras and then you can sort of relate in that way but you can't lose the category the the christian and catholic categories that we have now so when we look back we interpret or if we look at the horrible evils now they're able to interpret them in in that lens as a redeemed humanity and a redeemed person so then seeing someone like that like a serial killer or whatever the, the how bad and how far out uh that is from what what we expect or our opportunity it really stands out to to kids like that i would say yeah yeah i mean yeah just again what a great experience when you have a colby child <laughs> going through the program in your your house like my son was just down yesterday telling me about the great western schism and all of the different you know all the different popes and i was like i, I don't know too much about that i didn't study that time of history so you know he was able to go through some of the problems and things and it's like well yeah, when it, once again, that that history that you get and you think, well, everything's messed up today. And you think, yeah, but everything's been messed up in a lot of ages. So we are just we're, we're broken people, right? We're, we're fallen people. So it's nice to have that context as well, where you're not just thinking either that the world is constantly everybody's just getting better all the time. We're now so much more virtuous than everybody was at the time of Christ. No, not not really actually or or it's just falling off a cliff everything's just it's never been as bad as it is today it's like well not so sure that's the case either so it's nice to have that historical perspective though um at such a young age which, yeah uh, and speaking of maybe not knowing as much as your kids i i think this is a feeling that a lot of people who went to you know a public school or, or didn't didn't have access to this kind of education before um We've been talking about a little bit behind the scenes, just some various ideas to to give the parents an opportunity to to learn more of these things. And there, there's ideas like maybe a book club, different things like that. So if any of your listeners are interested, I don't know, Bonnie, would you would you mind getting email if anybody has some ideas of how they would or what they'd like to see maybe that can help this? I certainly would not mind. Please do send us email podcast at colby.org, uh, K-O-L-B-E.org. I can hear Mrs. Muth now saying, re reminiscing about the naming of Colby and not like the cheese. <laughs> Colby, K-O-L-B-E. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But certainly do please, please write to us. And, and cause we're, we are very interested in hearing what is helpful to people 
uh, meeting people where they are, helping helping them along the way. That's one of the main reasons for this podcast to just have these conversations to accompany people through their experiences and hear what works well for people and how Colby's how the Colby experience has served people afterward and so forth. So definitely. And I always I always love to think of our homeschooling parents there those who are out there kind of doing it more on your own because we've got a lot of really fantastic teachers in the online program and so when you when you when you're using your primary educator status to to kind of farm some of those services out you know you're going to get some really good information from our Colby teachers but you know when you're thinking about okay I'm at home trying to help my my child learn they're going to be largely self-moving hopefully like we've talked about that they're they're the ones that are actively learning but you know you've got to know enough to i mean so you can do like what i just did with my son yesterday and say really great western schism what was that about when when did that happen and where was going because i didn't know when he was able to explain it all to me so i could engage in a way that i from my lack of knowledge i could engage him and he could explain things to me and I was very interested by that then. So I could learn more. I could learn from him, but sometimes it's nice to at least know enough about, about the, the things to, to be able to say, yeah, what did you think of that, that action of, by that character in that story? Or, or do you think that this person was a just person? Did they, did they make the right decisions and then engage in a conversation where it's more, um, well, what about this? Well, what about that sort of thing? And so I know for me, I'd love to to find ways to make it easier for our Colby families to to kind of learn some of those because I know that everybody's busy. I think when we had all small children, <laughs> I don't think I really read anything of substance for several, several years. While well, Goodnight Moon um was was one. And uh, you know, some of the Beatrix Potter books, some of the great, great books, but for children. But yeah, it wasn't until people were a little bit older that I actually had time to sit down and read at night when I wouldn't just fall asleep immediately. So, so I understand that. So that's it's hard as a as a parent, but uh, and it, it's nice different. I I think a lot of times we we think of things as uh, you know you see these dads and my kids play a lot of different sports and and you'll see these dads who who really like training their kids, trying to make them better and better. And then I talk to them and I'm like, oh, so you must have played hockey or whatever growing up. And they're like, no, no. So they, they don't really have the skills themselves, but they're, they're, they're like, it's almost like they're living through their kid to see this success. And I, I think that's great. I think that's fine. That, I mean, that's also an opportunity at Colby where you're saying like, you be classically educated. You learn Latin. You tell you tell us what what this means. But I, but I but I think um, I think I think a lot of parents become interested in, for themselves, and it's not too late. It's not too late to at least be able to get to a certain level in all these things. I I tell you, the hardest questions I ever got when I was the foreign languages advisor came from moms who were had taught you know, five, six kids, Latin, all, and then all of a sudden something strikes them and they're like, wait a second, what is this exception? And it's some something really deep in the grammar book that I have to go looking for. And I'm like, wow, that is like grad school classics major type question from this mom who was able to, to really learn Latin by teaching. 
I do hear that a lot from moms about theology in particular, or the religion course in theology. It's like, I learned my faith through homeschooling my, my child, which is fantastic. That You're right. That should be, that's a great thing to do, especially if your education wasn't fantastic. Yeah. Do as much as you can to, to learn along with your your children there. Well, I, I think some of our conversations, just to throw this in there real quick, is um, because of Colby's outsource option where you can you can enroll your children uh, with a teacher and you can be pretty much hands off if, if your child is in the online academy, then it may not afford the, the same opportunities that we were just describing about homeschooling moms and dads that can learn these things as they're teaching. And that that's something that seems um it seems that that you especially Stephen are, are passionate about or see the need for for something like this as a community builder but and also just to help benefit the families where they um they get these opportunities if they're not able to get them elsewhere yeah yeah i i would love to, i would love to do lots of these things to kind of you have to build up the community have us thinking about the same things together and talking about it and you know for many people have good Catholic communities around them and they can draw from that, but a lot of people don't either. So I just like the fact that we have a lot of families all throughout the country and through the world that are thinking about the same things that we are and they're passionate about their faith and they they want some help. So they want a community to be part of and they have one. It's just I want to make sure they've got more, lots of opportunities to interact with their community where we don't always have those feel a little isolated at times. Yeah. It can be easy to, to think that it's, uh, that the Colby families are, it's easy to lose sight of the, of the, uh, range of, uh, ways that, that Colby families utilize the Colby materials as, as homeschooling, like the traditional homeschool sort of offline where the parents are working through the course plans with the students are sort of directing that to however they work it out at home all the way to fully online where the parents don't have the day-to-day involvement. Um, I, I think for me, so even if I've been through a course plan with my kids, I certainly had that experience myself learning a great deal more about my faith, working through uh, even the middle school religion courses as homeschool courses with my kids when they were at those ages. Um, I still have some of those ages, but now they're doing online religion. Anyhow, uh, how much I learned for that. But as an example, if, if so, if a student's working through, some a particular subject and i even have a good grasp of that subject it's just been a while it just takes me a bit to kind of like, okay hang on i need to go back and uh review that a little bit myself so i don't steer the wrong direction that can just catch me the the i think it's the whole um just the uh un- uncertain timing that that i wasn't really expecting that my brain is somewhere else and so i have to kind of change gears for a second so yeah yeah my my children catch me off guard at times because they'll ask me some of the science physics and math questions mm-hmm. and be like could you bring me your book um, right. it's been a few years since yeah. i've uh, I've taught this before but uh, yeah that'll <laughs> yeah. i do know how to do this and here shortly it will come to me but yes. i cannot give it right the second i don't have it yeah <laughs> yeah I prefer the when they don't bring me algebra too. It's been a while since I've done algebra just to do algebra. You know, it's like, okay, I can do calculus and I can do these things that were more applied in my engineering field. But sometimes where you get in a, like, what are we trying to do again here? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on. 
the nice thing is that there's, you have the whole range of the day, right? So we have those moments that are like, oh, hold on, I need a minute. Then we have the other ones that are um, on the other end of the spectrum where we're, we're winning at whatever, yes, where we can be right there and have great conversations about whatever presents itself. Yeah. Well, I think the conversation is the most valuable thing there. I mean, just the fact that you're talking about it, whether you've got the answer or not, you know, that's, that's more valuable than, than having the correct answer every time or knowing everything about the subject. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I always find like when we talk about all of the different ways that you can, I mean, what, even with Colby, you've got this whole variety of things that you can choose people to to fill in the gaps that you have. But I always have thought that it would be so hard for me to parent by sending my children to a brick and mortar school where they're gone all all the day, like I was gone when I was a child, because I tend to delegate and if I and then not pay attention. So I think I would be very inclined to just hand them off and check out. And I hope that I wouldn't, but fortunately, I don't have to worry about it. But just the proximity of my children and having them be around. And since I work at home, this is even amplified these days, but it just happens organically and it's easy. I don't have to focus. I don't have to to plan out and plot and make sure I'm getting all of these things done. It just happens. And I think it'd be so hard in the other way to, to kind of stay involved for me. So I'm great. That's another reason I'm grateful for, for homeschooling is it, it's it, I think it makes parenting easier for me than it would be if I chose something else. But. Yeah, it all goes hand in hand then as well. You know, the the whole day when it's spent together as a family. And I I mean, I work out of this office now. And um, but when I when we were in other situations where we were home all together the whole time, um, I, I miss those days, honestly, because everything went hand in hand meal times were planned around my my work schedule so I could eat with the family and then everything that happened in the evening the prayers all of that it just felt like each day that stability is is something that I think is so good rather than the running this kid over here and this one there and and put this one over there and sort of adopting them out for the entire day and then kind of you don't know each other that well when you see each other in the evening then I think yeah well, I, I do remember multiple times in my public school education accidentally calling teachers mom because I was <laughs> yeah. just spending most of my day with them. And so I didn't mean what nothing against my mother. You know, I right. love my mother. Sure. But uh, but yeah, just that my kids don't even have an occasion to, I mean, maybe the mailman, they could run out and call dad or something. <laughs> there's no reason for them to do that. Mm-hmm. So they don't, there's not that they, they spend most of the time with their brothers and sisters and with their parents. So it's, uh, it's easy. Yeah. Keeps it integrated. Yeah. Well, Stephen, what sorts of things are you looking forward to coming up? You guys, you guys have been collaborating quite a bit so that that's, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. We'll have you guys, we'll have to do another one of these so you guys can tell us more as you've developed Ignatian education principles and so forth. So what else, what else were you looking, working on looking forward to? Well, there's, we're, we're approaching our kind of spring meetings with Colby, um, with Colby leadership, I guess. So things, plans always get a little bit more uh, ironed out there. At least you kind of know in general directions, but, but again, I think that, uh, 
Colby's doing a lot of really great things in it right now. And, you know, the, they've got this amazing online program. They're just adding the special services in some extra tutoring, some extra help. Um, but my, my hope for the upcoming year is a real focus back on, on the, the, the more traditional homeschooling types, those that are out there on there. And so things like Jordan's talking about, how can we build that community up? How can we give them all of the helps that they need helps? I'm not sure if that's right. All of the aids that they need to uh, to kind of be successful and have the support that they need, um, you know, just just like you know, trying to get that extra information. And in, you know, if you're if you're doing a course in the homeschooling, can we find a way to? Our lesson plans are already good, but can we can we make it easy for a, a mom to say, you know, here's some things you might want to think about when you're reading this book. So they can at dinner say, so what did you think about that? You know, to and give them a little bit of a, an aid if they don't have time to read the whole thing or whatever. Um, so, yeah, really trying to think about the needs of the homeschooling families and focus on that this upcoming year and the community, community and and, and homeschool. That's my that's what I'm looking forward to, to kind of putting more attention on that for this upcoming year. That's good. So if listeners have feedback in those areas, feel free to send those our way too. We'll pass those along to Stephen and everybody working, collaborating on that. Now, from a personal standpoint, I'm looking forward to lots of travel this summer because I'm, yeah. um, I have to pick my daughter up from the West Coast and then going out in that same week, I go from California all the way down to Atlanta for graduation. So I'll be pick my daughter up, drive her back, drive with her back, then take my son, go down to graduation and taking my son up to uh, TAC's East Coast campus for the summer program, but Jordan's close there. So my, my opportunity to maybe get up and see Jordan in the summer nice. and check out some of those Newman Guide schools up there too, Magdalene and Thomas Moore. Yeah. Thomas Moore. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is going to be awesome. I'm glad you remembered that part of it, Stephen, because uh, I got your spot reserved here for when you get up here. <laughs> All right. There'll be pipes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, it, it sure is a joy and a privilege to get to collaborate with you all on this podcast. And I really continue to be super grateful for the opportunity to do that. So um, thanks for catching up with me here for a bit. Anything else you guys want to cover? Um, I just want to thank you, Bonnie, for all the work you do for the podcast and for making this available to families and for inviting me and, and today and join you guys for this special episode. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's been great. I've been looking forward to it and I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, again, listeners, please send us your feedback and what you're looking for, what would be helpful, what you'd like to hear on the Colby cast. Check out our show notes for links to some of the things we talked about today and, and our the various tributes to Mrs. Smith. Please keep her in your prayers. Subscribe to the Colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.